to episode one of this brand new podcast series, The Body Mechanic, with Rob Arnold from Chrysalis Fitness Training. In these programs, we'll be talking to Rob about his all-round approach to body health, fitness, training, and injury prevention and repair, and how he does all this by using his mind, body, and spirit approach to fitness coaching. In this first episode of The Body Mechanic, Rob introduces himself and tells us a bit about his background in health, fitness, and training. We also get to hear about his assessment process, which enables him to produce a tailor-made action program for each one of his clients. So let's get into it. Rob is the man behind Chrysalis Fitness Training, which is a completely different approach to fitness and training. Uh, He deals in mind, body and spirit. So in every way, improving the way you do things. Uh, Hi, Rob. Hello. Uh, Tell me a little bit about yourself. What's what the history that you have? Um, so I joined the, uh, it was the TA back then in 1997 or 17. Um, been around a bit, did a, did a few different, uh, operational tours with them. I did, uh, my army PTI course in 2005. And a few years after that, I was, I was looking for something to do as a career outside of the army. I thought about becoming a locksmith, uh, but I, I can that idea cause there was quite a few of them about. And then I thought about doing personal training because being a, being a PTI, I thought I knew everything. I, uh, I went and did the, the personal training course, a diploma, and I found out that army PTIs don't actually know that much. I learned a lot more. It's, it's been a, a continual process since then. So I, I did uh, Northern Ireland in 2000, uh, went to Iraq, Afghanistan, and on uh, my first, my, sorry, my second operations were of Afghanistan. I found a bootleg video of a trainer from America called Steve Maxwell. He does uh, jujitsu and he's trained by the Graces. His, his approach to training was quite different. So I, I got back and I started researching him and looking at more of his stuff. He produced a video to do with vestibular reset, which was something I'd never heard of. So I started researching that. And then because Facebook is everywhere, I started getting Facebook adverts for this company called AMN Academy. Uh, I looked into it and I was, I was more interested in doing stuff that you don't normally find in a gym. I worked in several gyms and I didn't really find it fulfilling. What I found was that people were just after a quick fix. And what I wanted to do was give people long-term solutions, get people healthy and, and being strong through health. So, uh, I started looking at the, the AMN stuff and it was all to do with gymnastic movement and, and complex movement and to do with the cerebellum and the brain working with the rest of the body. So I looked into that and I started doing their education. And from there, it's gone on and on and on. And now I've trained several people. I've done big distance races. I, I uh, started looking at barefoot running and I did a course in barefoot running to become an instructor there. And everything interconnects and I found that by using everything together instead of just doing small small things that's like linear like bench presses and that I've got better results with, with clients and it's mostly with the people that I'm I like working with. Let's go back a little bit to the army days so do you feel that because of the way the army were doing the PT that you weren't really as fit as you could have been or you you weren't able to prevent injury as well as you could have done? I did some some intense courses with the army and one of the reasons of doing the PTI course was so I could teach myself how to get fitter 
Uh, so I knew what I was doing. Uh, the army's come a long way since since back then, and they they focus on strength and conditioning now. But I still think they're lacking some things like mobility, because you can get strength from mobility. For, for the army, it was their way of getting out of discharging people that were medically discharged, uh, med- medically unfit for duty. What I have found is with uh, with people that I work with in the army, it's that they've got injuries or they've got problems, and then I've been able to help them so they can do more stuff within within the military or within a certain a certain training exercise. So your approach towards fitness uh, and, and health, how many different strands do you pull together and what strands do you pull together to create the Chrysalis program? So I said, like I said, everything's interconnected. So I've got like a, a, an ethos which I go through and what I use is that ethos to, to pull the different bits in. So first off, we have to look at protecting the body. That could be down to nutrition. It could be down to other stuff going outside, so to do with uh, electromagnetic frequencies. Uh, so from there, we look at protecting the body in the best way so it's not going to get any more dysfunction or create dysfunction from what we're doing. And that could just be like going back to simple movement exercises, just learning to move. Uh, what, what you find is even walking, people will have dysfunction with walking. But if you keep tagging into that, you can increase that, turn it into a run, you're just going to run with dysfunction as well. It's all to do with uh, the brain working with the body and getting the neurology right. So that's where we go into, we go from protect and adapt. So really you're starting from the point of let's not do any more damage before we try and repair and make things better. Yeah, sure. In the future. So so really it's a preventative thing to start with and then you move on to the other stuff. So yeah. you're right. Okay, I, I get that. And when you say it's it's in the brain as well, it's a psychological thing, what what do you mean by that? How, how does that affect the way you might be damaging your body? So with, um, with thought process and neurology, they're, they're kind of symbiotic. Depending on how you think, will shape your brain. So in, in neurology, you've got neurons and... They pass messages to each other by either electricity or chemicals. In between each neuron, you've got a gap. And that, that gap's called the synaptic, synaptic cleft. That'll be quite big if it's a new movement or a new thought. But the more you do it or the more you think it, the brain makes it easier for itself by shortening that gap. So if you think about um, water finding the easiest way, it pretty much does that. So, so you're training your brain to do a new movement, basically, and it yeah. then becomes... Almost like muscle memory. Is that what they mean by muscle memory? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it, it's uh, muscle memory is pretty much um, the neurology. So the, uh, the the neural messages getting through to a muscle. There's a lot more to it than that. I'm just trying to break it down for for the first time. But um, the neurons pass the messages to different different parts of the body. Everything's connected. So you've got a thing called fascia, which covers every muscle. You might have heard of plantar fasciitis. That's all connected to the fascia. So because fascia connects everything, messages can get sent through that as well. So that connects your digestion, the way you think, your emotions. If you think like a Venn diagram, everything will come together with you in the middle. It's kind of a bit more complicated than, than narrowing it down to, to one thing saying it does this. I'm, I'm thinking really of this thing with the mind, body, and spirit. So really w- what you're doing is you're training every part of the body, every aspect of you to do the right thing. Yeah. So, so it's, it's training your brain, training your, your muscle 
for muscle memory and also your feelings as well as much as that for the want of a better phrase. You know, they talk about open water swimming is very good for your mind. I assume that's also something that, you know, the, the, the mind thing is something you advocate. Yes, um, with, with open water swimming, for instance, that greatly affects your immunity. Um, but the other thing about your immunity is the way you think and the way... So the way you think will produce different hormones and they will affect immunity because you've got certain hormones which are stored in your gut and you've got a thing called the gut-brain axis. So your gut is like a second brain and that will fire a message to your brain. Your brain will fire a message to your gut and that affects your whole body. And what, what you might find is that you might get stiffness in, in the legs, for instance, or tightness or you might have aches. That's not necessarily from your legs being weak or from having a heavy session. That could be from the gut issue. So working through the whole body and assessing the body as a whole, we could we can look at improving dysfunction, removing pain, or even improving performance. When someone comes to you, you've never met them before, and they want to know what you do, and you think, yeah, I'm going to look at this person. What's your process? Where do you start with that person? Um, so I'll, I'll go and meet them. Um, and then it just starts off. It's like an in, informal chat. So just getting to know each other. So what what they like doing, what issues they've had, a bit about themselves, a bit about the family background. Just trying to make them comfortable and being comfortable with them as well. Because if there's any kind of worries or uh, anxiety or anticipation, then that moves on to the training. It's going to show and that's going to affect the training. So it's as much about you being a fit for them as them being a fit for the program. Yeah, sure. Because I'm sure like most people, uh, you've gone to uh, anything like some kind of service. I know you used to be a taxi driver, but I'm sure you've had taxis and you might have had ones where you've really enjoyed the journey or felt quite uncomfortable. And it's the same thing. If they're going to be uncomfortable with me, then it's, it's not going to work for them. I'd rather them spend the money on someone they're going to be comfortable with, be happy with someone they be comfortable with because they're going to get more out of it. As a, as a personal trainer or as, 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 a, as a coach, because that's, I say personal training, I'm a coach. I coach people. You're responsible for them. They have to take a bit of responsibility on themselves, but they're putting their trust in you to be, to take the responsibility to get them where they need to be. And if that trust isn't there to start with, it's going to be very difficult when you do start with them, how, how do you assess them? Do you, do you, have you got a system of questionnaires? You know, do you score those questions? How, how do you assess them about how you're going to work with them and what, what work they would need? Well, once we've got to know each other, I go through some questions. and The questions are quite searching and they can be quite personal. So that's why I have to get to know them first and they have to be comfortable. The first thing would be, what do they want? What, what do they want from the relationship? Because it, it, a coach and a, a client, it, it's a relationship. And then we'll work through a certain few questions to get them to think about it a little bit more. From there, we, we'll look at a bit of goal setting to see what the goal is. Uh, so if it's someone with a pain complaint, it's normally to get rid of the pain. But if it's a, like a, a regular personal training client, it could be anything. I've had clients that want to get better at running. I've had clients that want to be able to pass tests to get in the military. So it could be that kind of goal. They'll, they'll have that in the head already. But then the way we go through the questions just changes the way they think about the goal. So it, it, it's better for them in a, in a psychological way, if that makes sense. So it's concentrating on the end result. It, it's where they will be when the whole process 
is finished. Not not necessarily the journey, but but what? Yeah. So it's a a goal isn't always the end state. A goal can be a step to get into an end state, and it might not be that actually you know what the end state is until we've gone through the questions. So we do that. Then I'll give them some credit. Depend on on what they're after. I'll give them some other questions to go away with, to do with their background at home, what kind of support they've got, nutrition that they're what's in their head about how ready they are for it. Is that important? How ready they are, basically, to change the way they're doing things. Yeah. It, if um, if you're not ready to, for the change, or you're not ready to do what's required for you to get that change, then nothing's going to happen. And again, it's a waste of everyone's time. Also, if if by the end of I ask the other questions that they're not they're not ready, then I haven't done my job properly either. That that's where the, that's where the coaching comes in. Uh, from that. We, we have some physical assessments as well. And again, it depends on, on what they're after. Uh, but it, it, it will be physical assessments and it's not, it's not a way to judge and it's not a way to see how fit people are. What I'm assessing is function and, and the brain. Getting people to do a certain movement isn't looking at how good they are doing the movements. What I'm looking for is where there might be dysfunction in the brain or in, in the uh, messages getting through. So would I be wrong in thinking that's almost like an attitude test, seeing what their attitude is to what you're trying to do? Or is it slightly different from that? It, it's slightly different. I mean, so the, the, you're on about the physical assessments. Yeah, I'm looking at the, these, where you're looking at form and so on and so forth. And if they're, you think they're trying to cut corners no, no, by the wrong form. No, so, no, that's completely different to be fair. Um, no, so by me doing the assessments... We're checking functionality. So we're, again, like I say, it's not judging, it's assessing parts of the brain and parts of the body. So say if you said about squatting, so if someone squats and then something's off form-wise or their, their knees dip in or whatever, I can look at that and it gives me an idea of where we might need to focus. And it's not necessarily going to be on the knees, so it might not necessarily be on the legs. It could be elsewhere in the body because that's going to affect that part of the body. It, it sounds really strange, but um, any kind of dysfunction or pain, it's not always the cause. Sometimes it's a symptom. So it, the assessments are a, more of a, a way to direct me to look at the right things. We're talking about the consultation process at the beginning of when you start working with someone. How long does that process take? How long does it take you to, to assess uh, the questionnaires that you've asked people to fill in? In, in in honesty, that depends on the person. So the questionnaires that I tend to send them out before we have the consultation so they can go through and then I can have a look on the consultation. But when, when I'm going through the sets of questions that I use with them to, to look at their outcome, that depends on how they answer. So it, it it's all depends on the person on how long it takes them to answer. And it's kind of peeling, peeling an onion. So it can take, I've had ones take like half an hour. I've had ones take an hour. Some take over an hour. Uh, and it, it just depends on that person, to be fair. It seems to me like the amount of information that you collect from your clients is massive. This is how you create a bespoke program for your clients is by having all this information and then trying to deal with all the different issues that they've come up with. Do you find that a lot of people have a lot of issues or is it grouped in certain places? Or again, is everybody completely different on this? Everybody's completely different. Uh, some people don't have any issues or what I, what I find is, so I'll, I'll, I'll give them the form and I'll, I'll fill it in. Uh, but then 
I'll, I'll have it back off them and read through it. But quite a lot of the time, I end up sitting down with them and going through the questions again and filling out more because they haven't filled out everything or the thought, oh, that doesn't matter. Everything matters. Are people scared to fill it out properly, do you think, sometimes? I, I don't think so much they're scared. I just think they're just not used to that kind of form. They're not, not used to that, those kind of questions. They're used to tick box questions where yeah. they haven't got to think about things as much. In so much detail. Okay. Right. Well, we're coming to the end of this this episode again. Thank you very much. I would like to know if you had one tip about nutrition, what would be that thing? If you could say one thing to people that would help them with their nutrition choices, what would it be? Use your hand. That's going to need explaining. <laughs> I thought, so, yeah. So um, we're looking at portion size. Lots of people struggle with portion size nutrition wise. Unless unless you've got two hooks, you're always going to have a hand with you and you can use that to work out your portion size. So if you look at your palm, the size of your palm and the thickness, that's a portion of protein. So whether that's meat, uh, vegetable-based protein, soy, whatever, that's your protein. It depends on what you're aiming for training-wise. But generally, for men, you're looking at two portions of protein per meal. So if you close your fist, okay, that's your portion of vegetables. That's a portion. And again, so for men, you're looking at two portions of veg. For women, it's one portion. If you cup your hand, so if you put your fingers there, cup your hand. Imagine you've got a, a walnut just cup nestled in your hand. So the size of your hand where that is sitting, that's your portion of grains. So that, that could be, I say grains, you can include potatoes in that. So that'd be your potato, uh, rice, pasta. So starchy food. Really. Yeah, yeah. That That's your grains. Again, Two for men, one for women, depending on what you're training for. It's, this all changes. Okay, if you put your thumb up, okay, that's your portion of fat per meal. And that's whether it's butter fat or animal fat or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or to, in fact, you're looking at even nuts, avocado. Oh, right. Okay. Wow. I've never thought about it as a hand thing before. Yeah. Uh, and then sweets and like sugars and that. Don't think about that. So that's a tiny amount. Think of a thumbnail. Okay. Well, I think that's a pretty good thing. Is that is that the lot of them? Is that all of them? Yeah. So that that's that's how you work out your food groups nutrition wise. So look at your hand. Yeah. So I know the NHS likes using a plate, but use your hand. Yeah. Okay. That is fantastic. Well, thanks very much, Rob. Very very informative as ever. Uh, we'll we'll be back with some more stuff in a couple of weeks' time. So we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to this first episode of the Body Mechanic with Rob Arnold from Chrysalis Fitness Training. If you'd like to know more about Rob and his tailor-made approach to your body health and fitness, then have a look at the website. It's www.chrysalis-fitness.com or email Rob at rob at chrysalis-fitness.com. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it informative, then please like, subscribe, follow, and most importantly, leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another Body Mechanic podcast with Rob Arnold from Chrysalis Fitness Training. This is a 1386 audio production. 